This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Cantor. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gettler. It was in the rear chamber of the castle. We stumbled upon something remarkable. Once again, you ask the same shit you ask every week. But I'll indulge you, you creepy English tart. I'm here for my weekly stash of teddy mags, my favorite taco bar in the whole wide world, Toblerone, and my lotto tickets. Who bought a shingle? I have one! The combination of Dario Argento and Dracula is a match made in heaven, on paper. So what happened when someone actually gave him the money to realize this dream project? He made a 3D film with a sleepy Rutger Hauer as Van Helsing, and the Dracula that shapeshifts into a praying mantis. Host Eric Carey and his crew of Brian Kirst aka Big Gay Horror Fan Seth Powlin of Celluloid Terror, and former Astro Radio Z host slash filmmaker, Corey J. Adler, try to make sense of what Argento has done and how come they like it so much. Also, through this conversation they try to make sense of how Argento got to this point in his career after being one of the most visually arresting and influential filmmakers in the history of horror. To keep up to date with the various projects of Derek Carey and Rabbit Child Films, follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Also, follow Astro Radio Z on Facebook, Twitter and the Tumblr page where you can find all the new episodes and a selection of some of the best classic Astro Radio Z shows of the past. Astro Radio Z is on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Subscribe and pass it along to your friends. Now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I am your host, Derek Carey. And with me tonight are some glorious manly men. <laughs> Menly men. We have Mr. Brian Curse Big Gay Horror Fan with us tonight. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I sniffed Jessica Harper's ballet slipper that she used in Suspiria before we started this, so I'm ready to go. Oh, good. good. I'm You'll flying be high. You'll be light on your feet. I uh, Totally, totally. And tonight we have a new guest that I haven't had on the show before, but I've known him for quite a while from a website I used to write at called Infinitropolis.com, Mr. Seth Pullen. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing good, man. How about yourself? I am doing wonderful. I am anxious and hyped ready to talk about this amazing motion picture that we're going to talk about tonight. But before we go there and do that, roll out the red carpet, please, people. Get the rose petals. Get your hands all lathered up with some lotion. Get ready for, for the fapping action because what do we get the honor and privilege of actually bringing onto the show tonight, Mr. Corey J. Odler, the former host of Astro Radio Z, Thank decided you. to slum and, and grace us with his presence. How are yes. you doing, you fine bastard? 
Yes, thank you very much. I'm here to help promote my new film, Ginger Dead Man vs. Evil Bong. And uh, now, uh, I'm good, man. Uh, when you said you were doing a show, uh, this particular show, I knew I had to uh, I had to come back and, and do this. Of all the fucking shows you could have come back on, <laughs> you could have talked about many other things, more important things than uh, Dracula's that turned into praying mantises. But you decided that this was the one show you had to come back and grace us on. So um, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know any other show that, that could be as important as talking about Dario Argento's Dracula. I don't think there is a show that could possibly be more important. It is, quite frankly, the event of the season. Yeah. It is the movie everyone's been waiting for. Forget about, you know, Wolves of Wall Street. Forget about American Hustle. Oh, it's all I Frankenstein. Don't. I Frankenstein. Ten, 12 Years as a Slave. It's all. The Vampire hard. Academy. Yep. They suck at school, supposedly. That's what I hear. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so, convention season has just started rolling around here this year. Brian. Have you, do you have any plans coming up? Dude, I think I am going to be hanging with you guys at Cinema Wasteland maybe Ooh. in April. Yeah. You better watch out, Corey. Uh, Brian and I already made a pact last week on yes, the show. Yes, yes. Uh, there'll be no rape dungeons no in No rape future. room. Oh, what? I'm not going. <laughs> I know it <laughs> is Only if we get to pick time. who's in the rape room. Oh, that's fine. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Yeah, Blade Braxton with his camera. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that guy, I tell you what, if he shows up and starts snapping pictures, he's done. He, he's, he's not going to make it back home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw him out somewhere in Cleveland. All you got to do is feed him some moonshine, then he'll pass out for about 12 hours, and then uh, <laughs> he'll have to fly home on Sunday. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> You'll find him wrapped up like a, like a cadaver in a in the sheet. That was some scary shit. Let me tell you. I was ready to just uh, like tie his shoelaces to mine and work him like Bernie if he had passed away. <laughs> I didn't want to explain that one. I don't know what you do. I don't know if I could do that shit. He's a pretty big dude. <laughs> that's true. Well, that is one of the big events that's coming up in the, in the near future for us. But even bigger event, let's get some housekeeping out of the way here on the front end of the show before we get into the hijinks that is Dario Argeno. Mr. Corey, yes, would you sir. like to tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z about the new motion picture you're currently trying to crowdfund? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you letting me uh, do the plug. It, it's a little movie called uh, The Girl Who Played with the Dead. Um, you know, low-budget stuff, sleazy stuff. I can't really call it a horror movie. Just uh, really, really weird. Uh, Kristen Casey and Katie Paul, of course, the great Greg Johnson. And uh, Blade Braxton is showing up in this thing. And uh, I'm happy to announce that uh, my good friend, the lovely and talented uh, Shannon Lark, is uh, signed on to uh, come, and she will be playing the part of Bianca. Very nice name, Bianca. And uh, That is a sexy name. Isn't that fantastic? It's fancy. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, Shannon Lark will be a part of it, but uh, you can either find me on Facebook or a girl who played with the dead movie on Facebook, uh, and uh, check it out. I need, I need money. I'm broke. And uh, I will even sell this uh, ginger dead man for big bucks. So let's be honest. You're you're paying for on-screen titties. That's where all this money is going for, right? Absolutely. Well, that's that that is uh, that's kind of my mo. Uh, what I'm known for uh, when I when I write a script, quote unquote, uh, I just uh, it's it's 90 pages that just say boobs, 
on this page, and then uh, the next page says boobs. <laughs> and, uh, maybe I'll put pee pee in there somewhere. You know, I'll page, page 48 will say pee pee, and uh, then boobs again for another 40 pages. In dogs with peanut butter. Uh, yeah, peanut and, butter yeah. dogs in. Donkey show happens on page 82. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta. Keep things classy when you, when you make these these highbrow pictures like I do. <laughs> Did you ever um, read the Rex Reed book, the the film critic who I remember in college watching him on some talk show, Lamb Blast, Blue Velvet, and the whole like uh, how Isabella Rossellini should be ashamed of herself as Ingrid Bergman's daughter, and you know doing scenes where she's raped and blah blah blah, and. He came out with a book a year or two later that has a female on dog scene <laughs> in, in the book. And he and loves it. I thought that was pretty hypocritical, actually. You know, <laughs> that, that he's he couldn't handle Isabella Rossellini with her tits swinging in Laura Dern's front yard, but he thought it was okay to write a scene where a woman fucks a dog. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all subjective. Yeah, you can't trust Rex Reed. I think after I, that. I never have. There you go. There you go. It's on some classy shit. That movie was actually called uh, Fisting Nemo. My wife and I just watched that new uh, Loveless picture about Linda Lovelace. And, uh, you know, her her whole life story about getting the shit beat out of her constantly while doing pornos. And, you know, they make it all seem rosy, like, oh, she did one one porno and that was it. And needless to say, they they left out the whole uh, section of her life where she was doing porn, where she was sucking off dogs and horses. (laughs) That's the movie you want to see. Well, at least they, they're keeping it real. Yeah. <laughs> God bless them. Amanda Seyfried might have been nominated for an Academy if they kept that in. American Hussy. I think the only picture I saw of the, the Oscar films that were coming out was that uh, Joaquin Phoenix, her movie, where he yeah, falls in love was, with his computer. You said you liked that one. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a good movie. But uh, it is like 90% uh, close-up shots of Joaquin Phoenix's mustache. <laughs> it's an art film. Yeah, if you can handle that for about you know two hours, uh, and then interspersed with scenes of a little computer guy telling him to fuck himself. I mean, uh, yeah, sounds it's, like a warhol. <laughs> it's awesome. Seth, did you see her? I have not seen it. Christ I me. think I need to now. <laughs> Why do you like mustaches that much? I love mustaches. <laughs> good, good. You're on the right fucking show. Seth, this is your first time on Astro Radio Z. Why don't you give us a little primer on who you are and, and, and the kind of things that you do? Because I know you run um, a, a horror review blog. I'd love to hear a little bit, and I'm sure my listeners would love to hear about your blog. I run uh, Cellular oh, Terror. It's on Blogspot, and uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that. The snow is currently destroying my area. We just started getting some of that actually today. I don't know, Corey. Did you get any of that down in Madison? Yeah, we got uh, probably about a half inch of snow down here. Probably another inch tomorrow. Just piddly uh, nonsense to uh, sustain winter a few weeks longer. It's fucking bullshit. This is starting to feel like an old episode of Astro Radio Z. Here we are talking about fucking weather. Snow and <laughs> next we'll be talking about how old we are. We have to watch our diets and. Uh, <laughs> How we haven't slept. How we haven't slept in years. Um, (laughs) Oh, I wish I were dead. (laughs) Yep, this definitely feels like an old episode of Astro Radio (laughs) C.
we, I brought everyone on here tonight because obviously, not last week, but the week before, the movie that everyone, it's been pretty universally panned, Dario Argento's Dracula 3D came out on DVD Blu-ray. You can pick it up for about two pennies at Best <laughs> Buy right now. And we first saw clips of it a couple years ago, which was touted as a, a trailer to this film. Now, let's make no illusions. This was no fucking trailer. Some yeah. dude caught wind of, of some uh, in-progress effects real footage and decided to put it together and toss it on the internet and call it a trailer. And it was some of the most embarrassing shit you've ever seen in your entire life. I don't think anyone of Dario Argento's uh, stature should have ever allowed that footage to leak out. It, I kind of always compared it to um, when uh, Metallica and Lou Reed put that album together. Ugh. And uh, they, they let out like a minute-long teaser of one of the tracks. And after it was done, you just kind of went, what the fuck did I just experience? Because <laughs> it, it, it was just a fucking gaggle mess of nothingness. So I think right off the bat, uh, this movie kind of had a, a real bad shake. And it's, it's just desserts just because somebody decided to leak footage way before it ever should have been shown to anybody. But then once it started hitting the festival circuit, it was damned. Everyone hated this fucking movie. I, I would have loved to been involved in one of these like pre-screenings, these festival screenings of this film, you know, because everyone and it seems to be like the syndrome of the in Internet now is that anytime one of these things comes out and it's mildly shitty, everyone's got a race to their phones, a race to their laptops and, and start, you know, loudly proclaiming that said movie is the biggest pile of shit on the face of the planet, regardless of the fact they may have had fun with it. So here we are. The movie finally came out and uh, we all decided to sit down and uh, take a gander at it. I was pretty surprised that every single last person that I talked to actually kind of enjoyed watching this movie. Brian, what were your thoughts on, on Dracula 3D? You know what? For the first third, I actually was like, well, you know, th this is not, you know, typical Dario Argento by any means, but I was kind of enjoying it. I was kind of enjoying it. I, I, I just think as it went along, it lost some of its steam. I, I thought the fact that everyone had a different accent, um, <laughs> the acting styles were so different that, yes, some of those scenes between Lucy and uh, Mina came off as like, you know, grade school, you know lunchtime production, you know, kind of acting a, a bit. Well, Ozzy Argento was just downright awful in this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have to say, she still looks amazing, though. Oh, I yeah. mean, her, her body is incredible. That's one thing I, I, I will have to say, and that I don't think is always common in Argento's films, is I love the female body. I, I'm a gay dude who loves seeing tits in films and you know, used to get Playboy in the mail. But it always frustrates me where it doesn't balance out. I'm kind of like, you know, you need to see a little – for every, you know, couple female breasts, I want to see some male ass. You know, just balance this out. And <laughs> so at least in that opening scene, I love that fucking scene in the farmhouse where uh, the first girl who gets it and, you know, her errant lover are going at it. Because that boy was hot and you saw a lot of his ass. <laughs> and I, I don't think that – Always happens in our general films. I, I know you get a no. lot of uh, of female knockers, which I said I, I I adore the female body. You, you know, I think it's sexy and hot, and but um, I, I think it like just on a political social level, you know, it, you know, it, there's there's definitely I don't know if discrimination is the right word, but 
I'm going to use that word. Well, I don't think in, in a lot of those Italian horror movies, there's never been a precedence for having a lot of nude males on screen. I think uh, in horror films in general, there isn't a lot of precedence. Yeah, maybe I'm not you know, seeing the right films, but... I got to say that scene in particular, you know, I've watched it a couple times now with my wife. And every time that scene comes on, my wife's like, is, is there a hole in her leg that he's fucking? Um, oh, yeah, because- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Corey, how many times did you beat off to that chick's knockers oh jesus christ i i got to a point where i was actually starting to pull out bone cartilage <laughs> i think there are children in uganda who need that bone cartilage Corey, oh. so you can probably just send it along i got socks full of it oh well, there you go <laughs> you're gonna save lives motherfucker you're gonna save hey, lives i knew it's it. all because of dario genta's dracula <laughs> not in 3d no not well supposedly the blu-ray that i bought is in 3d but on the blu-ray itself it doesn't give you the option so i'm wondering if you have a 3d tv does you it have to have a three there is a blu-ray 3d tv i guess i think that's really the true the true way to view this film even though watching it after you watch it you kind of are like will any of this actually work in 3d like nothing is particularly like shot well and uh (laughs) nothing really looks like it would have that much depth of field to it it's one of those things where when you you see the film one of the straight (laughs) the things that hit you right away is how bright that fucking movie is yeah, like it, it's just like the lighting in it is so strange. I, I'm, I'm just wondering general thoughts. Like, do you think it was purposely shot with like, just like blinding lights shot on everyone for the 3D effect? Or I mean, I, that is literally the, the hugest downfall of this film because the film has tons of great tits in it, yeah. including Asia, who, you know, gets naked in every single one of her dad's films. That Which she's is in. weird. Very weird. <laughs> I'm thankful for it. I'll take it. I'm not complaining. It's like sisters posing together in Playboy or dad and son in Playgirl. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah. Well, especially when you see uh, like behind the scenes footage of Dario and he just is such a creepy looking little toady dude. <laughs> and he's always leering, you know, behind whoever his DP is. And then you just see these shots, you know, these lingering shots of Asia with her tits hanging out, having a bath or something like that. You're just like... You picture him behind the camera going, yeah, there's something a little fucked up going on here. Is it just a whole European sensibility, though, where it, it's, you know, it, nudity is or lack of. And, and, well, did you and, guys, did any of you guys see uh, the Stendhal syndrome? Uh-huh. That just, one's got to be one of the rougher ones because she gets raped, raped repeatedly yeah. in that movie. She's rough. <laughs> Argento's doing whippets, I think. <laughs> But you were talking about the line. Do you think it's just that he had no budget? Just like kind of like all our heroes, like Carpenter and Coscarelli and you know all those guys, Romero and you know so many folks who used to make films like Fred Walton and Gary Sherman, who just aren't anymore. They can't get money. I mean, do you think it's just he didn't have the budget for for good lighting and all that, sh- and, and you know sets and props and is that part of that lighting problem you were talking about? Just that there was wasn't a budget. It's. I mean, that could very well be the case. We, I was talking about this with my wife last night, and we were when we were rewatching it, and it looked, it really looked like he had one location at his disposal, and then a soundstage where he had one set, and uh, he just kept like reusing the same 
location over and over and just kept like redressing it. That very well could be the case. I mean, he may have spent his whole entire wad on Rudger Hauer, who's in the movie for like 20 minutes. And sleepwalks um, through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's awful in it. Oh, God. That's a lackluster Van Helsing. <laughs> Seth, what was your general thought on uh, Dracula 3D? I think it's a glorious piece of shit. Was there anything in particular uh, I mean, that uh, that struck you? Uh, it's bad, but I mean, it's fun bad, you know? it's Everything about it is terrible, but I can't help but love just how ridiculous the whole production is. There's a behind-the-scenes, like an hour-long uh, featurette in which, of course, Dario's not on it. But they have the his other screenwriting partner on it, and he's uber serious about this. When you watch the film, the film plays like a, a like a cheesy Hammer film. Absolutely, you know it has that digital theremin that Claudio Simonetti is playing, and it just has this grand air of like those old Christopher Lee Dracula films from back in the sixties and seventies. Um, so you got to wonder. Was it serious? Corey, what do you think? You think you think this was a serious movie? I think, just taking a look back, you know, over the last 15, 20 years of Argento's output, I, I can't help but think that this was a passion project it had for to him. Been. It had to have been. And, and when you see it, you know, I mean, you look at a movie like The Card Player or something that he's done, and, and you go, he's, he's completely lost it somewhere. He's just lost the mojo that he had early on. And I think this was maybe a way for him to maybe recapture, you know, the, 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 the grand uh, way that he thought he was making films, you know, all along. But I, you know, when I, when I watch it, it it's, it's misguided, you know, like you said, the lighting is disturbingly bright uh, all the time. And in addition, the CG is, is laughable. I mean, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, but uh, it, you know, it's not played tongue-in-cheek. It's not played for laughs. My favorite personal part of the movie is the CG train and steam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does kind of stand out because the entire first opening section is this this sequence where this farm maiden, she goes and meets up with Brian's love tryst um, out in a barn, and uh, the, he, he proceeds to, to fuck her, her leg, and then... Well, <laughs> After they're done, they, he won't walk her home, so she basically tells him to take a hike. And well, he's she, married. Come on, he's married. <laughs> in the dark in Transylvania. She's like, he's like, you know what? You're, you're fucked. Go on your own. And as she's walking back, a digital owl comes down and, <laughs> and bites her in the neck. And some creepy dude in some wood shack like Jason Voorhees is standing, pointing a gun at her, smiling as she's dying. Um, <laughs> that fucking scene kills me. But then it's such a stark contrast to the next shot. That whole After Effects constructed uh, uh, like train station scene. Um, <laughs> is it possible to overlight CGI? Uh, see, that's the thing is that I think a lot of it has to do with one, maybe maybe Brian's right. Maybe his budget was low so he couldn't get the kind of crew that he's accustomed to or an experienced crew. But you've got to think that he could have got a train <laughs> for Christ's sake. You think he could have gotten a, a DP that that wouldn't have overexposed every fucking shot that was mildly outside. <laughs> I mean, it's it's horribly shot. The whole film is everything's like all the characters, all the the principal actors are are blocked in the center, 
and there's tons of space on either side of them. <laughs> so you can I notice get. how cheap and like the sets are, and there's no props. There's no props. There's like that stone wall, that gray stone wall, and everything. Mm-hmm. It's the books, the, the all those books. That's the only prop. Yep, that's the only room in the entire movie where it was actually dressed. <laughs> where it looked like something somebody took some care to do something with. And I think that room just probably came that way. <laughs> <laughs> they probably found it. Yeah, like I said, it was probably a location that they found, and they just kind of like wandered around and then moved some stuff around scene to scene. That's what it, it, it reads like to me. Do you think he's just getting old? And, and is kind of losing it and doesn't care as much anymore. Like even the whole like praying mantis thing, when Dracula steps back into the scene, it's so like he comes at a totally different angle from where the praying mantis would have been. It almost, I can see someone thinking that the praying mantis wasn't Dracula just because he comes into the scene from such a weird angle, which is something that, like you said, could have been fixed in editing or just, you know, any person would realize that that's even thinking clearly that he needs to come towards towards her not from the side because that's where the prey mantis last was well i think you're you're thinking way too much about this brian because i think the fundamental flaw here is we're talking about dracula becoming a fucking praying mantis (laughs) (laughs) giant bugs (laughs) giant bugs and and we all know that you know argento has this pre-fascination with insects i mean it goes all the way back yeah. Uh, to phenomena. Um, and there's even reference in the behind the scenes stuff where they talk about how Dario wanted to bring that element back to his films. I think the thing that kind of like sold me on this film, because even though I'm trashing the shit out of it, I loved this movie. I've watched it a bunch of times now. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably like the biggest Argento apologist that I know. I've seen just about everything that he's made. And this film, for the first time in like four movies, felt like it was even remotely close to something that he had made back in the day. I mean, there were there were certain elements about it. There were certain, even though I've been trashing uh, the cinematography, there were shots that actually had some care to them where they had slow push moves or there were actual gel lighting on certain things. It wasn't very much because it was mostly flat lighting. And the music, it it actually felt like somebody took their time and didn't just slap a bunch of random stock music all over everything. I I loved the music. I thought the music really suited this ridiculous over-the-top film very, very, very well. Did anyone actually feel... The dude they got to play Dracula was convincing in the slightest. No. No. Nope. I think he I, had actually passed away, and they were working him like Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> He's I'm, easily the most uncharismatic Dracula I've oh, ever seen. Awful. He makes the Dracula from Al Adamson's uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein look like Lugosi. <laughs> Brian, you were going to say something? It was definitely a lower-keyed approach. But um, he didn't bother me as much as ha- Rutger Hauer did. I thought I thought he had a little bit of uh, underground mystique going on there. He definitely wasn't, you know, Frank Langella or no. the, the the sexy, you know, mysterious. I kind of believed him. I kind of bought it. I'll 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 have to play a vampire's advocate, and and <laughs> I thought it was okay. Yeah, he's he's serviceable. I think there are certain scenes he's actually kind of fun in, but. Uh, for the most part, oh my gosh. You know what <laughs> kept on confusing me is that Aja and that Marta Gastini who played Mina yeah. looked a lot alike in scenes. Like, like they, they they kill 
and and just from certain angles, like after uh, Lucy Aja's character gets it, and then Mina's coming up the stairs, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, didn't she just die? Because they look so much alike in certain angles to me. Yeah, except for the, the only difference I thought was that Ozzy is such a bigger person than she is. So when they're together, you can you can tell the difference. But uh, yeah, they they're pretty similar looking. That's always bugs me in movies. Uh, you know, when they cast two, that they look so much alike that you're like, now is this one? Is it that one or this one or this one or that one? Yeah, it's just a pet peeve. Yeah, it, it didn't bother me too much because they were both super hot. So I kind of liked <laughs> they, were, they were on screen, especially the scene where one of them's bathing the other one. That was a thumbs up scene for me. Any scene where there there was uh, a topless lady, which was quite frequent, uh, was thumbs up for me. Um, <laughs> the CG. Let's 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 talk about the CG boys. What was what was your favorite CG moment in the film? Seth, we'll start with you. I think it was that tarantula in the web that you see for about half a second. <laughs> <laughs> the shimmering web. Yeah, that was a pretty. I, oh, I, I noticed that one. Fantastic. <laughs> Corey, uh, the wolf, the wolf transformation uh, was the stupidest. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, really, honest to God, I mean, it's it's so out of place and it's so cartoonish. I mean, you almost expect it to be like uh, the wolf in the old Looney Tunes cartoons where the eyeballs pop out, his tongue falls out, and he's hooting and hollering. Right, and it, it, it pops at the screen, the eyeballs pop at the screen, and they turn around in circles. And go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Brian? Um, I'm going to go with Aja's death. I just thought it was so obviously CGI, and it was it went on forever, too, it seemed like. So that just stood out to me, you, you know, the, the whole when she gets staked and starts to dissolve away, and it seemed to go on for a good minute or so, which made it really obvious that it was bad CGI. So. Oh, that whole sequence was really fun when she's the vampire and she makes the most pained expressions. And I yeah. like they are just so awkward and so over the top. I Each time I've watched this film, I laugh really fucking hard when she tur- turns around and, goes, and her mouth contorts like one side goes all the way up her face. The other side goes down. Mm. Holy shit. That has to be one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Is that whole? It was it was just awkward and weird. Like when she sees Mina again, Mina. <laughs> yeah, and it's then Rucker Howard has no qualms with staking a child. He's like looking forward to it. He's a badass. He's a low key, unemotional badass. He reminded me of, of of if a hobo had a shotgun. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? God, that'd be hijinks. <laughs> the thought, the hijinks. Holy mackerel! <laughs> he was, he was the hobo with a stake. Because <laughs> he literally, he literally walked around that set like he was wasted. He barely, like, when he tried to speak in that film, was like, "I am uh, Van Helsing." I don't think he knew where he was. He was missing a paper bag. <laughs> Morphine's a bad drug, I hear, man. Been hanging out with Busey. Oh my jeez, he looked like it. He, he looked <laughs> really rough Hoffman. in this movie. Was it too soon for that? What's that? I said, or Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I saw some pretty awesome Philip Seymour Hoffman memes. I don't want to be a total asshole and have everyone hate me, but there were some pretty funny ones. Dead air, love it. Dead anyway. air. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> There's nothing funny about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I beg to differ on there. I think it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> More hilarious than Ginger Dead Man with a, a mustache? <laughs> Woo. Okay, so anyways. Um, well, actually, Philip Seymour Hoffman is a ginger dead man. So there you go. Oh, nice way to bring that around. around. So anyways, let's, let's give some final thoughts on Dara Geno's, uh, magnum opus. The, the only film he's made in the last 10 years that he's, is even worth a pinch of shit. Dracula 3d. Let's go down the line here, Brian. What do you, what do you want to wrap up, uh, Dracula 3d, your thoughts? Like I said, I, I kind of enjoyed just the craziness of it for maybe the first third to two thirds i i just thought it got there was two i thought i was gonna love it you know like like i think it i, I thought i was gonna go like oh this is shitty but it's awesome shitty but yeah i, I just thought like the last third or so, so with so many dialogue scenes between you know van helsing and mina and you know just the the way dracula died she shoots him you, you know it, it, it just i i would give it like a you know, half a thumb up, half a thumb down. I, I, I was really prepared to be like, fuck, I love this thing. It's so awesome. It's so bad. And yeah, I, so I, I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't like it better. Maybe if I, you know, get the time to rewatch it again, I, I, I might uh, change my mind. But yeah, so I think disappointment would be my big, just, just I really <laughs> thought the first third to two thirds, I, I really kind of was digging stuff and thought it was just totally ridiculous and kind of awesome and horrible and and yeah and i just kind of lost my enthusiasm for it as it went on so i guess disappointment just yeah, it's it's runtime really works against it yeah yeah it's like it's a, like 150 minutes or something yeah it's like an yeah hour and 50 minutes or something yeah so. it's ridiculously long mr udler let's finish <laughs> up our, our our magnum jerk off to uh dracula 3d you and i talked quite a bit because i think you and i loved this movie oh yeah i i absolutely love it and and you know what i've watched it uh four times now and uh, <laughs> and for a guy honest to god i'm a guy that doesn't i don't watch anything i'm you know I, i'm watching old Gunsmoke remakes if i'm watching tv so i'm not checking out you know the latest uh, horror movies or anything like this. Uh, but, uh, for me, uh, watching it four times, every single time there's about eight minutes of the movie. Uh, I think it's probably like Brian was saying, you know, it's in the last third of the movie and there's about eight minutes where I actually think my central nervous system shuts down <laughs> <laughs> as a defense mechanism uh, in order to sustain my my brain for, for, for future endeavors. But but there is, there's like eight minutes of the movie that I couldn't tell you what happens because I don't know if I just glaze over uh, because it's so long and Howard's so terrible in it and, and it's so cockamamie. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure, but no, I, I, to me, this is the very definition of misguided, you know, uh, low budget hijinks. And, you know, and for me talking low budget, forget it. This thing had, uh, you know, a thousand times the budget I've ever worked with, which meant they have a thousand dollars. Right. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, you know, I, I was the minute that I saw, like you had said that, that poorly rendered CG quote unquote trailer that had come out. I knew that I was going to, to thoroughly enjoy the movie. And, you know, yeah. the, the editing is a joke. The, the lighting is terrible. The CGI is hideous. 
Uh, some of the performances are almost like they're carved out of the stake. You would drive into Dracula's art like they're made out of wood. <laughs> the pacing is completely uh, – it's, it's mind-numbing. It is just a mind-numbing experience. And I would be surprised if this particular movie doesn't get the kind of cult following that something like The Room – uh, or Birdemic gets. Um, and if that's the case, Argento might see a resurgence in, in his career and he can make some more nonsense. Well, I hope so. I, I kind of feel the same way too because as I started talking to more people, I started noticing that there were there's actually a crowd of people that actually like this film, whether it's for the, the ironic reason of, yeah, it's a shitty movie and we're having a lot of fun poking fun at it, or it's people like, you know, I'm going to choke down a little bit and say, I actually do like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do enjoy it because I, like you, I've watched it like four or five times now. <laughs> me, it almost felt like the way I, I look at uh, Jodorowsky's movies. I love the movies of Alejandro Jodorowsky, and I have absolutely no idea why or, or what the hell's going on in any of them. Right. And for me, that's kind of what this felt like. I'm like, what exactly do you like about this movie? And I go, I have no idea because everything in it's terrible, you know, and everything in it, if it were in some other movie would bother me and it would it would shut me off. You know, I mean, if I put on some other movie that, you know, people were talking about and I see this piece of shit CGI owl come out of nowhere and attack a woman, I'm done. I'm shutting it off. Five minutes in, I'm going, no, forget it. I'm going to go shovel my yard or something, you know, I'm done. But for it's some almost reason, like it's almost like Mega Shark. If a Mega Shark would have all of a sudden came in and and yeah. eaten that that jolly guy that's in in Jason's shack, watching <laughs> watching her get bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who did that guy show up later? Because he was it was yes. shot so far away. He was that was he the guy in the cell? He no, that was a different guy. Um, he, that was kind of like the traditional Renfield character, the guy that was in the cell. Oh um, yeah, because yeah, there was yeah. like two Renfield character. I don't know if it never was said if he, that guy was Renfield. Yeah, or, that's, or that's what. kind of what I was wondering because you know, like I said, I've watched this friggin' thing five times. Yeah, and I still I look at that guy and I go, oh okay, it's a creepy Who guy. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, he's just a dude that that has blood all over his face and is gagged yeah. for some odd reason. No, yeah. the guy you're think the guy from the shack that's just a voyeur. That's the dude from the sequence later in the movie when Dracula flies in as flies and reassembles himself and oh, then he kills yeah. all those guys. I he's gotcha. the one guy that's sitting at that table that decided to stick with Dracula and, and wasn't going to go away. So he's that bald dude. Yeah. The Redfield character. Then. No, 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 no. Totally separate character. Jesus. See, I mean the movie, it, it boggles my mind. I've seen it so many times and I enjoy it and I go, what the hell's going on? Who's this and who's that? Here, let me clarify it even further for you. This is the guy, the bald guy in that scene is the guy who axes that chick oh, out of the, nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look yeah. the same. Yep. Oh, they absolutely do. They make no sense either. No, there's no point to any of this. Oh, as we talk about it, the more and more, it, it's more maddening. And I feel like I have to watch it a sixth time. <laughs> I, I probably will. I'll probably watch it this weekend yet again. Seth, what what did you do? You have any final thoughts or any any uh, hijinks that you quite enjoyed about the film that you, you'd like to sit and kind of suss through, or any questions you need to you need clarified by the Dracula clairvoyance here? <laughs> I don't think I have any questions, but I love the movie. I 
couldn't tell you why, like everybody else said. It's certainly not Suspiria or Deep Red, but maybe it's just because it's Argento, and I love it for that reason. I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense to like it. It's not good, but I've owned two different copies of it. I love it. <laughs> you have two different copies? Okay, you got to explain this one to me. What what do you how do you how do you have this twice or did you just accidentally you were drunk one day and Oh no, no, no. no. I by. spent $40 to import the Italian Blu-ray a year ago. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's some crazy shit. Yeah. Is there yeah, anything then, uh, different on that edition? Not at all. I think no. uh, I think the transfer is a little bit darker which might actually help, but you know, other than that it's the same thing. Well, see, there's there's the big thing, and, and this is just coming from me um, as a dude that works in post-production for a living, is that the, the, the main thing, other than obviously everything looks overblown, but that can usually be tempered in post by a dude that's going to do actual color correction to the film. There was none done on this fucking movie. None. Shot to shot. I talked to my wife last night. We were watching it, and she was – I don't you know, think there was had, any post-production at all. Well, th- that's it. Is that what I think was done? Is that this movie wasn't balanced at we all? Shot in camera. No, it was all done. And then what they ended up doing is maybe somebody had like magic bullet looks and put a stock template over top the entire thing. And for certain shot, certain shots, it worked out well. But other shots, it totally blew the film out, and, and they, they never changed it. Oh wow. That's what it, how it like reads to me when you watch it, the shot to shot. It is so inconsistent through that entire fucking movie. So Dracula 3D, I got to admit, I do kind of know why I like it. And some of it is probably, like Seth said, a little bit of like Argento nostalgia that any little tiny snippet of some of his goodness from back in the day, I'll take and I'll just relish it. One of the biggest disappointments, I think, of the last decade was Mother of Tears. That was an absolute fucking monstrosity level, like Hiroshima level letdown. Giallo was terrible, though, too. Oh, Giallo. At least Giallo had had fucking Adrian Brody with a huge nose prosthetic on. Can you imagine (laughs) that? Just think about this for a second. What's the logic? He has the biggest fucking nose in Hollywood, and you put in a, a prosthetic on his nose to make it even bigger. He was making Pinocchio. (laughs) <laughs> that movie is fucking ridiculous oh, well, let's horrible. throw this out there I'll go each of you guys what is your least favorite Dario Argento film and it can't, obviously we all liked this one what would you say Brian what was the worst Dario Argento film you've ever seen you know what um, Mother of Tears I, you know, I didn't think was great by any means but I just loved it's crazy excessiveness and her being really able to violent. disappear and like a magazine store and an airport. I, I, I mean, just, just some of that was just so bizarre. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I guess I don't think they're even necessarily bad films. It's just that I don't remember them. I watched them and I don't remember them. It was The Card Player and uh, <clears throat> Do You Like Hitchcock? I thought I liked them. I thought they were okay, but I don't remember them to this day. So I, I think I would just have to just say that it would be those two just because I don't remember their plot lines and I watch them. I mean, so I think they were just bland enough. And, and, and that's the one thing you don't want when you are watching a, an Argento film. I'm not even saying that, that, that they're horrible films. It's just like I can't recall. I, I think the Hitchcock thing was, was kind of like a rear window 
thing. Yeah, I, it was I, kind of a run of the mill kind of. Seem homage. to remember him spying on the sexy neighbor, but I don't remember the plot. And I, I think I remember one scene from the card player involving that guy from Dog Soldiers, where there's some kind of setup and they're going to investigate it, and it's a booby trap and i think he blows up and that's the only thing I, and i think there was a female detective in that but that's the only thing i can remember about those films so <laughs> the card player doesn't d- never bother me either does uh deal of hitchcock because i was talking with greg johnson one day and he he swears that do you like hitchcock hitchcock was like the worst thing he'd ever seen he hated <laughs> that fucking movie i didn't i mean it's just fairly innocuous it's not as horrible as he is Argento's version of Phantom of the Opera with Julian Sands. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. Actually, yeah. yeah now that you it, mention it, that's that that's got to go down as my least favorite. Even though I think Mother of Tears is such a fucking pile of shit. That <laughs> what do you think of Sleepless? I like Sleepless. That's the one with uh, Max von Sydow, right? Yeah, I, I thought that first thing with the chick on the getting stalked on the train was almost as good as some of his original stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, I think once Max Vancito, as much as, as amazing as he is, his character became involved. It, it got to be more of a standard detective procedural or whatever. But right. I thought that first third was pretty fucking amazing actually. In Sleepless. Right. Well, that, that came at a time. I think he, didn't he make that right after he made trauma? I believe, I believe I he did. So. I don't have my IMDb well, up. Sleepless but I, was 2001. 2001. That's way after Trauma. Uh, Trauma was 93. Was it? Phantom of the Opera was right before Sleepless. was like a few years before Sleepless. Oh, man. Sleepless. Well, Sleepless was supposed to be his foray back into the Giallo, you know? And then he tried doing it again with Giallo and miserably failed. Seth, what was the worst Argento in your mind? I got to go with Giallo. It's not terrible. It's not as bad as people say, but I think it's just boring. You know, standard fare, nothing flashy, nothing Argento. It's just, it is what it is, and it's satisfied to be that. And it's not as great as Mother of Tears. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the only guy that, that's going to shit all over Mother of Tears. I, think, I love Mother of Tears. See, I, oh man, I think, and this is the problem I see a lot of people doing with Dracula, is going back and comparing it to old films. That he has done, which I don't think does its service. I think, and maybe that's my problem too, is I have to let go of the fact that Mother of Tears is nothing like Inferno, and it's nothing like Suspiria, two films it's directly tied to. It it has it holds none of the same aesthetic, it holds none of the same atmosphere, it holds nothing that ties those two films together. It uh, it. Uh, I, I don't want to go on and, on a fucking geek rant about it, but oh my god, Mother of Tears. Uh, I'd be right there with you if it was made within a decade of Inferno. True. That is very, very true. What would you say then is is his kind of like, what are the key factors that makes it an Argento film? The lighting, his uh, crazy camera movements, long scenes, the music, and just ridiculous writing. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is very true. I think that's one thing when when you talk to anybody that even remotely has a disdain for Argento, it's always well his movies don't make a fucking lick of sense. Right. It's I mean it's definitely a love it or hate it kind of thing. Right. Well, he's all style. I mean that that's absolutely from from the very get go. Mr. Udler, tell me, was Card Player the worst thing you ever saw come out of Argento or what? 
Card Player is the, what, the one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I actually had a friend of mine uh, that lives in the UK had sent me a very, I mean, it was really cool. Uh, it was a Dario Argento, and it was a big um, wooden box. Uh, and it was a card player box set. Oh, wow. And I had seen the card player at that point, because that movie was like, what, 2006, 2005? Something like that, something between like, 2004 and 2006, something like that. Yeah, and, and you know, by that point, you know, I had seen, of course, the, the Phantom of the Opera piece of shit. Um, you know, but, but I love trauma. Uh, um, trauma, I thought, was good. I, I yeah, enjoyed good trauma. So I was excited for Argento, you know, and the card player, and uh, I, I just watched it uh, with my mouth open. It was, it was horrible. And, and even though I had this this beautiful box set, I could not get rid of this thing <laughs> fast enough. I sold it on eBay for uh, – I got a pretty penny out of it because it was a pretty rare set. It had, like, Argento, uh, you know, playing cards in it and stuff like that. Oh, it was really cool. Um, but I just – I couldn't have it in my house. And I have some shit. <laughs> I couldn't have that. Was it cursing your house? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was cursing me. Give me the finger every time I walk by it. <laughs> you walk in the room and it's just like – Something smells like shit in here. Yeah, who shit in here? Ah, oh, it's a damn card player. <laughs> Did a dog shit in here? It's that poop again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there well, definitely here's, was here's, a. Here's oh, a question that, that I want to know. It, you know, and it, it, it ties into, I guess, Argento. But when you look at the heavyweights of horror, and you look at Romero, you look at Carpenter, you look at Craven. Um, you look at uh, Argento, anybody, you know, who has fallen the worst out of all of them? You know, because I know a lot of people would say, you know, the ward, um, you know, from John Carpenter, which was awful. Um, yeah, it was terrible. But which, you know, just kind of, a, you know, a roundabout, you know, which, Derek, which one do you think has fallen the furthest off of, you know, when they were at their peak? Argento. I gotta, I gotta admit, even though even though Dracula, I enjoy it. I gotta I gotta say it's easily Argento because even in the worst parts of Romero's new zombie films, there's uh, there's been at least something that I've enjoyed about him. And um, if you push aside Dracula, really, what has he done other than the Master of Horror episode Jennifer, which I which I like quite a bit. Yeah. Um, other than that, what has he done since trauma sleepless? Yeah. Sleepless in trauma. Trauma, I think is really one of the unsung Argento films. Love that. Um, yeah. It's an awesome fucking movie. I love that movie. There's that movie in the Stendhal syndrome, I think are two hidden movies in his catalog that not many people seem to be aware of that. I think they should be. And I think maybe the Stendhal syndrome, the reason for it is because it, it was released by trauma very unceremoniously. Yeah, of course. And it's a pretty rough film. But, uh, yeah, if, if it were for me, Dar- Argento, because Carpenter had cigarette burns. That's it's, the best. It's fucking phenomenal. And Romero, I mean. Survival of the Dead, you know, I that one's it. got a bad rap. I love Survival of the Dead. Diary of the Dead, I found, was a little ham-fisted. Yeah. But uh, Survival of the Dead, I, I actually liked that movie. I liked the, the you know, the warring uh, faction, the family factions, and and all of that. You know, I, I love Romero's political social undertones, and I don't think he's ever lost those. You know, so our, you know, Romero for me is has you know been pretty solid. Land of the Dead was was wonderful. 
Yeah, I liked it too. And I thought I thought Survival of the Dead of all of those films at least was playful. At least had some fun to it. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely that's it for me. Seth, what do you what do you think? What who is probably one of the biggest head uh, heavy hitters uh, that you would say is probably fallen the the furthest? I honestly, I would say Argento has fallen the furthest, but I don't think he's currently the worst out of the. I guess the big three. Mm-hmm. Big I mean, three. I'd big still three. rather. I'd still rather watch an Argento film than the Ward or Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Dire of the Dead is was definitely for me, and it, it shocks me every time I hear yeah. somebody say this that they really thought it was like a return to form, and I and I immediately follow that by, well, what form are you filling out? Because I don't <laughs> know what the fuck that didn't feel like any fucking uh, George Romero movie I ever fucking saw. Um, Brian, I guess I'll just have to concerns concur and say Argento, but I also have to say I kind of like the Ward. I I, I like the the mood and the setup. I hated the ending. I really yeah. hated the ending, but I enjoyed all, all the, the the girls and it, uh, you know. Uh, there, there's something about Carpenter and and the casts he assembles. I don't know if he had anything to do with that. Cause I think that was strictly you know uh, for hire gig. But uh, right. Um, I really like some of those younger actresses in 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 that film, and a number of them have done a number of horror films. So mm-hmm. so I kind of like the word actually. The word to me was was just forgettable. I think I think it was one of those movies where, about twenty minutes in, I was already checking my phone to see uh, to check my Twitter feed or, or like, just fuck around. Yeah, I did. The word was I don't know. I mean that uh, it, it just seemed very for for a guy like John Carpenter. To me, it just seemed a little bit too middle of the road. Yeah. Well, he's kind of lived there for a while, though, don't you think? That's true. That is true, but you know, for a guy, the, the guy that made They Live, and and the it, he gets a pass. Yeah, his, but, his yeah, entire eighties output. Oh, forget it. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's and I, I mentioned Wes Craven too, but Wes Craven's a guy who I never liked uh, really a whole lot of anything he ever did. No, no, overrated. Way overrated. overrated. Yeah, I agree with you, Seth. Totally, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hills Have Eyes. No, that's my Wes Craven. Last list. House on the Left. Yeah, I've never been a fan of that one. I like it because it's so, uh, it's just so cheap and, and, and so poorly made and, and constructed <laughs> that uh, you can't help. I mean, I just find it charming in its uh, disgustingness. But, yeah, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, you know, and Hills Have Eyes. And, and really, that's. That's about it. You know, no, there's shocker. a guy who come on, man. Shocker. Shocker. Went away. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me Vampire in Brooklyn isn't a great one? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Hercules. Shocker. Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. let's not even start on Wes Craven. That's a fucking I've never understood the Wes Craven love myself. That's just me. Man. So on the flip coin of this, let's let's talk about some good Argento. What is everyone's uh, favorite Argento film? Brian, we'll start with you. I, I was thinking because I uh, about this earlier today because I thought we were going to probably discuss this. That, that's a rough one because I love so many moments of so many of them. Um, yeah, I, I, I would. I loved Creepers and Phenomenon. I, I mean, I, I remember getting Creepers from like the mom and pop grocery store in my town of six hundred folks one of my college breaks and just thinking it, it was so awesome and crazy and, and bizarre. Um, but, but I think just for 
pure visual artistry and just all around, you know, enjoyment. I guess I'd have to say Suspiria. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just think there was something wildly inventive about, you know, him hu- making the huge doors because he wanted them to be 12 year olds and he couldn't, you know, legally do that, you know, do what he had to do and, right. and use underage actresses. So I, I just think there's something really, really um, magical and fairy tale like about that film. But but it, it's, it's a real tough call because I love moments of so many of them, of opera and, and Inferno. and um, But I, I guess I would have to say Suspiria just from a technical artistic standpoint. Yeah, it, it's hard yeah. to deny Suspiria. Seth, seeing how we – Brian uh, – said the Suspiria was his top pick for, for Argento. What are you going to say? I'd have to agree with him, but uh, Deep Red is right up there as well. Deep Red is definitely one of the one of the better giallos that ever came out. I'd say, in my opinion, I think it's the best one. That's, that's a tough call. <laughs> I love Blood and Black Lace quite a bit. So it's, it's, it's quite a tie between those two films. But um, Suspiria, it's hard to deny, you know, that's obviously like Argento's masterpiece. It's uh, the combination of the, the soundtrack and the, the really over-the-top cinema, uh, cinematography with the hard primary colors all like splash all across everything. The hyper gore is just like the, the quintessential uh, kind of like fever dream of, of horror. I remember the first time I ever went to go rent it because for years, you know, all of us were – were people that read Gore Zone and read, uh, you know, Cinema Fantastique and, and Fangoria and, and all that shit. And um, they always touted it, you know, as the, one of the greatest horror films ever made. And I remember seeing clips of it in Terror in the Isles um, when it used to come on TV. I was like obsessed with that movie growing up uh, because I couldn't find all these films, but they kept showing clips of, uh, Suspiria in it. And I wanted to see that movie so fucking bad. And uh, when I finally got a copy of it, I remember watching it and going, that's it. That's, (laughs) that's the movie everyone's jerking off over. And, uh, it took me years until I finally like Dario Argento finally clicked with me. And I I think that he's that way with a lot of people because his films aren't about, you know, logic. It's much more like like Corey had said, like the the Jodorowsky reference. Like it's much more about the style and much more about being put into a, a weird atmospheric like witch's brew <laughs> and just kind of staying there for a while. Um, yeah, transcending what you think you know a movie's supposed to be, almost. Right. It doesn't necessarily make total sense, but I think that's a lot of the fun about it is that the camp value kind of like a John Waters, even though nothing like John Waters, but the same kind of feeling where it's just like he's creating this entire world just for this film. You're either going to jump in for the ride or you're not going to jump in for the ride. You're not there to sit and make sense of anything that's fucking going on. Even in these, these giallos that he made, like the, the animal trilogy, the first three films, the logic of the thriller aspect of it makes no fucking sense in any of those fucking movies. Like the killer, who the killer is in any of those movies make no fucking sense. It's just like all of a sudden at the end, it's like, oh, it happened to be this person. You never saw this person ever before in, in the movie. And now we're going to, in a two-minute monologue, we're going to try and tie it in and make it make sense of it. <laughs> that That's like every fucking Argento movie ever. Corey, 
Was there, is there anything, I know you're not the biggest Argento fan, but was there anything in particular that you would say marks as the best Argento film in your mind? Um, you know, I'm, I, I got to agree with you guys. Suspiria is uh, probably my favorite one. But, you know, going back to uh, Trauma, uh, I, I'm a big fan uh, of that one. And I know, like you said, it's kind of a forgotten Argento, but that was one that I had seen, you know, one of the one of the mom and pops in Eau Claire, um, <clears throat> where you and I rented every filthy movie we could possibly get our hands on. Right. Um, yep. One of them had it on VHS, and yep. we're going out of business. I, I I had picked it up, and subsequently had lost it over the years. And a little while ago, a friend of mine, Neil, had uh, given me another copy of it on VHS, so I revisited it, and I realized that I really did like that movie. But Suspiria, I mean, you know, and if, if nothing else, the soundtrack alone. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. I think there is a grouping of films of his that it, it's hard for me to like designate which one I like more. Suspiria, obviously, is, is widely considered his masterpiece, and rightfully so. But I think there's a few other ones that, honestly, anyone that wants to get into Dario Argento, they need to see these films right away. It's this Suspiria, Deep Red, Tenebrae, which is yeah. one of the nastiest yeah. slashers oh, ever. Fantastic. Tenebrae is, is essential Argento. Opera, which is right along with Tenebrae, is one of the grisliest, nastiest, most inventive slashers. If you can get past the fact that the ending, the fucking tacked on Massengill commercial ending uh, <laughs> that's on Opera, uh, if you can get past that, the film is fucking amazing. Yeah, dude. I mean, am I right? Yeah, that absolutely. fucking ending of Opera is horrible. It's just terrible. But uh, And Trauma. I think Trauma... I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think you and I probably rented the same copy of Trauma. We were probably the only two people that kept going back and forth <laughs> Claire and renting Trauma. Yeah, I love that movie. I thought that was that's a really unsung film. Yeah, um, that's a good one. I'm John Cross. You may know me from the internet. <laughs> then again, you may not. I've been asked by the incomparable Mo Porn from that famous podcasting institution, Drunk on VHS, to say a few words in promotion of his show and drunkonvhs.com as it's coming back to the internet and we're all really thrilled. I'm not quite sure why Mo couldn't do it himself, but there it is. It's not like I was busy or anything. In fact, I lie around my apartment in just my Power Ranger underpants, waiting for his lordship Mo Porn to set me a task that only ultimately benefits him. Clearly he had other far more pressing matters to attend to. Maybe he was doing a series of pictograms depicting his favourite bacon-based stains. Who knows? It's Mo. He could be cataloguing the number of appearances of a dwarf's nipple from a black-and-white underground abuse movie of the 1960s. He could be lining up his Burt Reynolds video covers in order of ludicrous facial poses and wig status. Clearly it's much easier if I stop everything I'm doing, audiobooks, interviewing Robert Davy, performing acts of pleasure on a photograph of Miami Bialik, the actress from Blossom, to tell you all that Drunk on VHS is back. Follow Drunk on VHS on Facebook, Twitter, and read articles and listen to brand new shows every week on drunkonvhs.com. 
<sighs> now leave me alone, Mo. Well, <clears throat> unless you need me to guest, in which case I'm your man. <laughs> me what are you doing are you looking for porn again no well what is that i see it's not porn it's the badass boobs and body counts.com website i happen to be looking at the reviews in the boobs section of the site they have a section of the site dedicated to boobs yes they do they cover exploitation films in the boobs category action films in the badass category and horror in the body counts category what's that review you're reading now this is andy sadaris's malibu express see at the bottom of the review there they list how many boobs appear in the film in this case it's 20 two pairs. This is definitely a film I want to see. You mean just for boobs? Uh, yeah, just for boobs. What's that other option, BB and BC podcast? That's the great thing about the site. If you're not into reading the reviews, you can listen to them via the web, on your mobile device, through iTunes, and even Stitcher Smart Radio. And they cover the same types of films, lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cinema. So yeah, to answer your question, I wasn't cruising porn. That's too bad. What's too bad? That you weren't cruising for porn. Uh, why? Because I was feeling kind of horny. Oh, wait, 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 get back here. Hey, get back here. Turn around. Put your hands out in front of you. Lean forward and put your hands on the car door. Come on, come on. We haven't got all night. You've seen this done before. How lousy 11 bucks. You characters ought to learn to carry more dough. You stand up now. Well, maybe he's got more to offer than his money. What are you getting at? Big. Strong. A little pretty, maybe, but... Yeah, under conventional circumstances, he could be very interesting. Oh, we are. Oh, we are. We are. We are all. All we need. Oh, we are. Oh, we are. We are. We are all. All we need. Well, I got you guys on the line. Uh, this is a, a thing that Corey and I used to do on our old Astro Radio Z. It was kind of like a picks of the week kind of thing. I figure while I got him on the horn, why don't we go through and uh, was there anything in particular you guys in the in the recent history, probably in the last week or so, that you either watched, listened to, or uh, got a chance to check out that you would recommend to the listeners of Astro Radio Z? We'll go down the line. And uh, Seth, what would you say would be your pick of the week that you want to tell people about? Trans Europe Express from uh, Alain Rob Grillet. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. It's a neo-noir from the 60s. Um, almost a parody, tongue-in-cheek, but definitely like a love letter to the film noir genre. Kind of the movie plays out as it's being written within the movie and things change and you get disoriented. It's just filled with uh, some excellent black and white photography and really cool uh, images. And it's definitely worth checking out. Cool. Sounds awesome, man. Is there anywhere in particular that people can pick that up and find it? I just came out on Blu-ray from Kino. Oh, awesome. Kino always puts out solid stuff. Yeah. I uh, just did a review on it on Celluloid Terror, so shameless self-promotion. Go oh, check we'll out. definitely go into <laughs> some shameless self-promotion at the very end of the show here, so don't you worry about it. We're all about shameless plugs here. We're as bad as Jay fucking Leno. So, uh, <laughs> Corey Udler, what is your pick of the week, dude? You know, this is going to come as a shock uh, to a lot of people Please in two, two, two different ways. It's going to come at you from the left and the right. Uh, first of all, my pick is a, is a Three Stooges picture. Second of all, it's one that I'd never seen before. Wait, wait, the movies you haven't seen? Yeah, and it was one of the feature films. It was their last 
uh, feature film with uh, Curly Joe Dorita, and it was The Outlaws is Coming. And uh, it starred a, a young, a, a pre-Batman, Adam West, as this uh, bumbling uh, clown ass that's uh, sent to the Old West with the Stooges <laughs> to try to stop the slaughter of the buffaloes. It's pure hijinks. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just had fun watching it because I just, I'd never seen it before, which is crazy. But that Mill Creek, uh, who puts out, you know, those uh, Walmart horror sets that you like so yeah. much. Yeah, my favorites. <laughs> they put out a, a six-movie, two-disc Stooges set. It's got all the uh, Curly Joe Dorita features and a couple of uh, Curly features that they made with Columbia back in the 40s. And I, I scored that guy. And uh, that's been my viewing this week. So if you're uh, interested in watching a pre-Batman Adam West and a uh, aging Three Stooges, uh, The Outlaws is coming. <laughs> <laughs> so I, now i got a question for you. How do you actually, like... Because I know half of those Walmart sets, you can't even tell what the fuck's on them. Yeah. Do you just <laughs> randomly decide, you know what, eh, maybe there's something on here I haven't seen. I'll, I'll just pick this up anyway for shits and giggles. I, I No, I've never done that, actually. <laughs> I, I, the, only, the only one of those big sets that I have is I have a 50 sci-fi uh, movie collection. And uh, I bought it because it was four bucks. And it had Gamera on the front. Oh, and there you I just go. Thought that was badass. And it, it's got some really shitty old transfers of uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Attack of the Monsters yeah. and Destroy All Planets or whatever it is. Yeah, right. And uh, but it, it, it's got some some real winners on there. Uh, Wild Women of Wongo. <laughs> it's just not so much sci-fi. Oh, Jesus. Uh, what's the other one? The Wasp Woman. You know, some Corman oh, stuff. Oh man, there. that's some bad stuff. It's yeah, horrible, absolutely horrible. White Pongo. <laughs> is Zot on there? Which one? Zot. Zot, no, oh, God, no. That's a phenomenal movie. I watched that with my scientist wife, who actually tried to make sense of it. <laughs> I've never been brave enough to pick up those sci-fi packs. I only pick up the, the cheap-ass two-cent two fucking 20 packs of... Uh, Walmart horror, where yeah. you know it's it's all the movies uh, at these uh, horror film festivals that nobody wants to fucking watch. They're no. usually at the bar when they're and playing. Mill Creek. Yeah, they're they're across the street, and Mill Creek, which is ironically enough a company out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Are you serious? Um, yeah, they're they're it's uh, it's uh, uh, Mill Creek and um, Bridge something Bridge. I can't remember. Echo Bridge. Echo Bridge. It's Echo Bridge and Mill Creek. And they're run out of lacrosse. They've just got this giant, massive Area 51-looking warehouse. <laughs> and uh, they just scoop this stuff up. And, and, you know, speaking of, you know, of course, the Ginger Dead Man is here. But uh, I, I knew I, I've known Charlie Band for years. And, and he, if you see the, you'll see the Puppet Master uh, sets from yes. Mill Creek in those $5 bins. And Ginger Dead Man and Evil Bong and uh, mm. Doll Man and tons I've of Quite cool a stuff. few of those. They're yeah, yeah. They're, and then they're actually, they're really pretty cool. You know, I mean, some of them, Doll Man and Demonic Toys I've seen in there and even some of his newer stuff. Um, but he said that, uh, you know, as far as DVD sales, those $5 ones are the only ones that really ever sell. He actually makes money off them damn things. So somebody's buying them. Well, that's a smart way to do it. Those movies are out of their time now and out of their element. And the only way that anyone's even going to be remotely interested in them is if they he puts them together in a $5 pack. Who's going to buy Curse of fucking Puppet Master? You tell no, me. Not, I mean, to actually go on the fullmoon.com website and, you know, spend 12 to, you know, $10 and $3 to ship Curse of the Puppet Master to your front door. Yeah, that's not going to yeah, happen. Right. 
that's fucking craziness. Just pure craziness. I have, I have purchased, as you said, way too many of those fucking packs. (laughs) (laughs) And and actually watched. Yeah, no, I've watched most of them. Yeah. And every time you watch one, I go, you are the most self-loathing human being I've ever known. (laughs) How the fuck can you watch that shit? (laughs) And it was mostly for the fucking 31 days of horror this year. Holy, it was fucking brutal. Oh my God. You should go back and do 31 days of hammer. Or something that won't make your head explode. Oh, man. Oh, I should. Some I think of those year, Mill Creeks, though, have some rare, like, one of them has curtains on it, yes, which hasn't been I released anywhere one. else. Ooh. And um, some old television films that haven't been, I, I mean, there's some rare stuff occasionally that you're really surprised by. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I pick them up, because every now and then there'll be something like, I have the entire collection of Halloween movies now because of those packs. Mm-hmm. I have the entire collection of Children of the Corn movies, for better or worse, because of those packs. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are a couple good ones in there, man. Chill of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. That's is, pretty effing awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. I think if you guys haven't watched it, you'd need no. to fucking watch that one. <laughs> it's the only one that I recommend because, let's face it, Chiller of the Corn is a piece of shit. It's horrible. Yeah. Urban Harvest, though, totally fucking different story. So. Ooh. Is Lou Diamond Phillips in that by any chance? (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Wait, I'm trying to think. Kevin James? It's not. No, the next one, I think Virginia Madsen is in uh, number four. No, that's Naomi Watts. Oh, Naomi Watts. Okay, you're right. uh, Naomi Watts and Karen Black. And then five is Eva Mendes. Eva Mendes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Children of the Corn was. And, a, I, I think the last one I saw was the Genesis one that had Billy Drago in it. I saw that uh, one. Yeah, that was a horrible piece of shit. Horrible. And that had. Uh, um, oh my God! What's her name? I, the I, the I, chick I, from um, um, Hostel. Hostel. Yes. Bar- Barbara Nelia. Oh, you mean the one Hello. that you were? She, she's Billy the Drago's one, yeah. wife. In that. Yeah, buy that one. <laughs> That's believable. Yeah. <laughs> There's this Chicago actor, Danny Goldring, and I'm the theater critic, so I review theater, um, like go to see shows all the time. And he's the – and Children of the Corn 5. I actually had him sign my program, like, don't go hunting the kids in the rain um, <laughs> because he is like – and the opening, he's the opening victim, basically. He, he and his wife are having dinner, and right. the, the the crazy kid comes after him and shoots yeah. him up in the air. It's kind of really cool. He gets thrown up into the air by the kids. The kid kind of laser blasts him as yeah. it's raining out, and he gets fried, you know, midair. And it's pretty fucking awesome. But I was like, dude! <laughs> I went and saw him in his show. And here I am, the professional critic, right? I'm like, you got to right. sign my fucking program, man. Children of the Corn Fly. <laughs> but he was so thrilled. He told me all the – he goes, oh, yeah, that was like the, that was like the real buffet and the food was real. And he loved talking about that shit. So. <laughs> he doesn't talk about the movie at all. He totally talks about the deli spread that they had. Well, because they're eating, and it is. It's this huge repast. And I guess that was the, the – the catering for the day that that was the, the the craft services for the day that they they just kind of put it all on the table so he and the actress playing the wife were 
eating from the craft services. And he goes, it was just amazing. I mean, it was everything they had and they kind of loaded it on the table. So he was just thrilled to talk about. Yeah. That's absolutely priceless. Yeah. Hey, no shame in my game. I will always, I, I do occasionally go in there and search for new packs that they put out, even though now all they do are regurgitating the same packs and just relabeling them. Oh yeah, they use the same movies over and over and over again. Yeah, Backwoods Butchers. Ooh. That's the last one I watched where I watched some piece of shit called Butchered that was like <laughs> one of the most boring films I've ever watched in my entire life. And I think it was made like two years ago by a bunch of drunk college kids. It was horrible. So yeah, Walmart horror, Bad News Bears. I, need to, I didn't realize those guys were in Wisconsin. I need to get those guys on the horn and get them on the show. Yeah, man, because they're, I mean, and, it, and it's funny, all the stuff, when you, when you think about it, all the rights that they have to so many different things. I mean, these, you know, these Stooges movies that they put out, I mean, these are owned by Columbia. So they're working with Columbia Pictures and C3 Entertainment to get these Stooges movies. They're, I mean, these aren't public domain. I mean, you know, there's right. people making money, uh, big time money off of, you know, putting out more Stooge shit than they know what to do with. And uh, like I said, it's C3 Entertainment and Columbia. And for them to get the rights to put this six-movie pack out is is pretty immense. Yeah, they're out of lacrosse. Well, they must be making some huge bread because I'm sure I'm not the only idiot out there buying these. No way. I buy them all the time. I buy them all the time. Yeah, you can't deny it. I have one coming in the mail that I think has – because I just finally completed my Ghoulies collection. So I (laughs) – because I know everyone, I know everyone's been been uh, wondering if I finally completed my Ghoulies collection or not. I got Jim Wynorski's Ghoulies four in the mail today. Is that when they go to college? I need that one. No, that's number three. Is Ghoulies go, go to college? college. Okay, go to college is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's the whole gag where the Ghoulie actually comes out of the toilet and gets the guy in number three. They'll get you in the end. Yeah, exactly. That's Nothing awesome. beats part two though. Royal Dano, Wasp. Oh, dude, uh, part two is awesome. Yeah, part two is a part two is to me part two is better. Than part one, I don't agree with that one, but I do like number two. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about the poopy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Brian, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week. Um, speaking of Kino Video and Mr. Adler, have you seen Dancing Lady? Dan, yeah, Dancing Lady with Clark Gable and yeah, uh, Joe the, Crawford and the, the Stooges before they were the Stooges. So absolutely. that leads me into, uh, I guess, my pick. Uh, it's on Kino Video. Um, and I really resisted because I, I, I'm at the age where when I was growing up and the gay men in the bars were all into like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and Judy Garland. And I was like, fuck, you know, it was the last thing I wanted to be. You know, I, I was, you know into Iggy Pop and Marianne Faithful and going to the, the, the punk shows and horror and stuff like that. And I like resisted for years, like watching any of that, you know, old movie Queens shit. And now I fucking love it. I've kind of discovered in the last couple of years, those movies are wild. Like these women are, they're killing people and they're crazy and they're passionate and they're doing like this wicked, crazy stuff. And, um, this one, she's more of a resourceful victim than anything, but it's a movie called sudden fear. And it's Joan Crawford, and it's Jack Palance, a very young Jack Palance, and very nice. She's she's um, it, it it's it's kind of awesome because she's like in her late forties, early fifties, in, in like these series of films, and her leading men are always like ten to fifteen years younger, if not more, 
but she's a, a successful playwright and heiress who is swept off her feet by Jack Palance. And it turns out that um, he's really trying to kill her. And uh, the evidence that she has to prove this is destroyed. So she's got to kind of plot and plan and uh, save herself. And it, it's just kind of fun. And Gloria Graham's in it, who's, you know, an, an old uh, noir legend as well. And what I love about her, though, is she commits to everything, but she's old school Hollywood acting. So everything is really telegraphed and unnatural but yet you can tell she really feels everything too so, so it's a, such a weird over the top yet very naturally grounded acting style because it, it everything she does is totally correct you know it's exactly the way she should look and the way should she should react but you know it's she she stood in the mirror and practiced it perfectly and she knew what the camera was going to catch so perfectly so it's it's this weird combination of natural acting done very technically but it, it's perfect i mean every emotion she has ever everything she does is exactly as it should be but there's nothing natural about it either so it's really kind of fascinating to watch her and in any of her pictures i think as she got you know into her 40s and 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 50s the, those pictures she did in the 50s and 60s so it's just kind of a fun mystery noir and uh sudden fear and it's got some cool, cool people in it. That's you my gotta love movie. the acting styles of that that era. I mean, it's nobody acts like that anymore. And no, it, 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 it lends such an, a, a different air to the films. Like my my pick's gonna be something that that's older as well. I think the the three old guys are picking old flicks tonight. tonight. <laughs> get, get my walker out. But uh, speaking of. Anti- <laughs> uh, speaking of antiquated film styles, I uh, I picked up a box set of Ed Wood movies called The Big Box of Wood uh, this week, and and um, I I just Jealous. started yeah exactly right. There's no innuendo there, um, <laughs> but I watched a, a movie last night called Jailbait. That uh, was quite a classy little picture for an Ed Wood film. Totally, you know, his his hackneyed kind of uh, attempt at making a film noir thriller. It, the movie, you know what? I wonder if Wes Craven watched it at all and kind of... <laughs> It, it kind of had some inspiration for the heel turn in, in Last House on the Left. <laughs> the heel turn. <laughs> because the film the film's about this this idiot who who just so gun crazy he's always got to have a gun on him and he keeps getting caught by the police he winds up trying to heist a, a movie theater for some unknown fucking reason and uh ends up killing a guard and the police come after him eventually his partner kills him and tricks his uh, the guy's dad because the guy's dad is a plastic surgeon, uh, tricks him into changing his face so that the police cannot find him. It's a typical Ed Wood. The, the camera angles are, are, they vary between master shot and uh, a medium. And then there are, there are shots of, of, of people driving vehicles and they go out of frame. And then two minutes later, they come back into frame and cross frame. 
And uh, <laughs> it's definitely a style of movie that uh, only lived <laughs> in Ed Wood's mind. So uh, <laughs> I, I love his films. I have a feeling in the future on Astro Radio Z, we're going to have a proper Ed Wood episode. Because I am going to go through all of these films. Actually, when we're all done here, more than likely, I'm going to go watch Bride of the Monster because I haven't seen it in quite some time. I have no home. <laughs> but yeah, the the big box of wood. I picked it up. I don't know if it's still in production right now, but I got it off of Amazon fairly cheap. Um, it's got 13 films ranging from his early days all the way into the sexploitation stuff. So. And now, did you see that that Ed Wood's actual last movie, I think it's called The Young Marrieds or something, was uh, just recently discovered uh, some uh, doofus had it in a box somewhere or something. I don't know what it was, but Ed Wood's last movie has been discovered, and I guess he's going to try to uh, get this thing out on DVD and Blu-ray and whatever else, which is pretty exciting. I mean, to know that, uh, you know, and that's the thing about Ed Wood, not to ruin anything that might be coming on the show but you know what a what a sad end to uh, to a man's career who years later would be celebrated by you know guys like us and, and people around the world to know that he basically died uh, penniless making these terrible movies uh, but but nonetheless still making the movies you know still making movies and writing his dime store uh, books that he wrote and and things so yeah i mean that's kind of cool that uh, you know that they're still finding work from ed wood man you know in 2014 Right. Well, I think there, like you said, I think there are a lot of people out there that are they're starting to want to retell his story again because obviously he was hot in the early '90s when Tim Burton made that quote unquote biopic because it obviously didn't really go into Ed Wood's. Yeah, it it made Ed Wood out to be kind of a jolly eccentric as opposed to a man that whose life was in absolute shambles and became a drunk and, and basically drank himself to death while every single person around him took advantage of him and stole all his money and and uh, left him in the fucking dirt. So I think there are a lot of people out there like like us, like podcasters and, and people making films and writing books that, that kind of want to celebrate some of these films. I, am I mistaken? But I think that the new one they they just found – I don't think it was complete, was it? That I'm not sure of. Um, I just saw like a little snippet on YouTube. I mean, I guess from what I could tell, it was complete. I mean, it seems like it mm. was, uh, you know, all. I think it was three reels, and it was a it was a full length edited feature film. Interesting. I'll have to yeah, check that young, out if it ever the finally young Marys, comes I out. Think is what it was called, the Young Married. Yeah, you watch. They're gonna they're gonna sit and wait and try and catch some lucrative deal off of a movie that maybe a hundred to three hundred people actually want to see. Yeah, exactly. It'll be kind of like the Edison's Frankenstein that took forty five years to 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 get out. Right, because some dude thought he was gonna make a fortune on the thing. <laughs> I look at this gold. Right. I tell you. Instead of realizing what he what he's got is a, a a real niche junk film that that a few of us weirdos are really gonna appreciate, but the vast majority of people could give two shits about. Yeah, and the whole thing is he could put it out. You know, I mean, if he put out a you know thirty dollar DVD Blu Ray you know DVD combo set, you know, of course us us uh, uh, wood fans would would jump all over it. I'd be I'd be there you know in a heartbeat. And that that big box of wood that you have, I mean, you went through you know, the list of, of, of the movies that are on there. And most of those I own, 
um, or have seen, but there's like two or three, like what was one, like the beach bunnies and the snow bunnies. I have no idea what those are. Oh yeah. There's, there's a ton of them that are on here that I've never seen. Like I gotta be honest, a lot of the extent of my wood knowledge comes from the big boys, you know, like Bride of the Monster. Mine too. Yeah. I I walked into that one. Yeah, exactly. Like Bride of the Monster and Plan 9 from Outer Space and Orgy of the Dead and stuff like that and Glenn or Glenda. But I've never seen like Dropout Wife is on here, the Snow Bunnies, Fugitive Girls, the Beach Bunnies. Hot ice. Um, there, there are shorts like uh, Trick Shooting with uh, Kenny Duncan and Crossroad Avenger. Yeah, Crossroad Avenger. Yeah, so there's in the Violent Years is on here. I'll just list the rest of them. The Sinister Urge is also movie. on here. Yeah, so this is it's, it's a worthwhile little thing if you're a fan of Ed Wood. Now I got to be honest, I think there's only a real select group of weirdos that are going to really enjoy these films. Because I, I don't know if I could ever talk my wife into actually sitting down and, and plunking in uh, the Sinister Urge and having her sit and actually watch the whole thing. No, but she'd fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like watching a Bill Robain movie. Only oh, God. movies are actually charming. <laughs> you put a Bill Robain movie on everybody and they, on your block will fall asleep. Yeah, they'll be asking for euthanasia. <laughs> Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me now. So, so boys, let's wrap up this episode of Hijinks and let's uh, go ahead and do some proper uh, blowjob pimpage. Seth, why don't you tell the fine listeners of Astro Radio Z where they can find you and all of the writings that you do about the many shit films that you love to watch. Main site is celluloidterror.blogspot.com. Uh, Twitter, at Celluloid Terror. YouTube and Facebook, Celluloid Terror. And uh, I'm on Tumblr, too. It's Daily Terror, but I never post on there, so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a lot of work dealing with all the fucking social media, man. I understand that. Got to get on Foursquare. Oh, Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ. What? I have at least four or five different people that are constantly inviting me to Foursquare. It's like, dude, last thing I want to do is tell everyone every single step of my life of where I'm at. <laughs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> I'm at the the Philip 76 station. I had the PP. I got I got the award for the 76 station PP award. <laughs> I got a big gold. Woot! <laughs> achievement unlocked. <laughs> so, so Seth, is there anything coming up that that uh, we should all know about? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Just regular, you know, reviews daily or semi-daily. Nothing. Uh, too crazy coming up. Okay, cool. Well, I thank you for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate you having me. No problem. Anytime, dude. Brian, go ahead. Feed us the pimpage. The feed you the pimpage. Um, Big Gay Horror Fan on Facebook. Also, last week, I had a pretty cool interview with Crispin Glover that was Ooh. on Fangoria. Oh, yeah. Like, part I saw of those it, pictures. Part of it is on um, – part of the interview is on Big A Horror Fan, but there's also a really cool one on Fangoria. And for Friday the 13th fans, I actually got him to talk about the final chapter a bit. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So um, very brief, but you know, because I, I asked him, but he talks about Willard and Wizard of Gore as well. But it, it even I wound up on the big Friday the 13th 
website that I've gone to, which is kind of cool because I've gone to that many times over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they found out about it and ha- had a big posting about that. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so check that out. That's on Fangoria. And uh, yeah, Hidden Horror, the book I'm in, it's doing well on Amazon. I guess it's number seven in movie reference guides. There's a huge sale on that this week. Check that out. Check out Hollywood Warriors, which is um, – I'm running the Facebook page for Dubber Dutch, who's a 90s scream queen. It's her latest film. And it looks like I actually will be playing a role in that as well. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, Can you tell us anything about the, about the role? You know, I, I, I think it's going to be like a newscaster bit because I'll film it in green screen here in Chicago and they'll add it into the film. But, you know, you know how all that, all that, all that shit is. She really, really ha- has been super awesome. And, and uh, I've always loved her. I, I, I've done many interviews with her on different podcasts and Horror Society and for Big A Horror Fan. And um, she had no one doing the Facebook page for her. And so I've been having a lot of fun doing that. And she's been, you know, really dying to get me into the film itself, which is really cool. And I think she came up with this concept. Um, so it looks like I've got a filmmaker here in Chicago who's got the right style of green screen and camera. So it's, uh, I think there's some kind of major like star fall, you know, like the, the planet crashes into earth or a falling star. There's some weird weather thing and it turns you know, Debbie Dutch, who plays an actress named Debbie Dutch, into the into the Hollywood Warriors. So I think, from what I understand, it, it's it's kind of a a scene or two kind of commenting on that. Like and I'll just be kind of a news newscaster dude. So so yeah, just like anything, it it, it you know, until it's done, it's not done. But it, oh. it sounds like it might happen. You know, cool. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great, Mr. Udler. Let's let's roll this out. I might have to leave 20 minutes for you to to sit and get everything you need to get out out. So I'm I'm going to give you the stage. Obviously, we have hole in the wall coming out in this next year. We're waiting on one more short, and that film's finally fucking done. I yeah. promise. Um, but Corey, go ahead. Tell us everything where we can find you, your various projects. Go. I have a, a teething nine month old for sale. Uh, dirt. <laughs> Such a wuss. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm Is not kidding. coming to Cinema Wasteland. Yeah, I'll be in Cinema Wasteland. I cannot wait. I, I know, but is, is the baby coming? Oh Jesus, no, man! I need a break. No, yeah, Leave Blade's gonna take care of her. Blade's gonna put yeah, on. Little, what, she, he's gonna put on one of those. The harnesses. I'm carry her on with me. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave her in the in the hotel room with uh, with passed out Blade Braxton. <laughs> The best babysitter uh, you ever fucking slap saw. Slap him in the head for four or five hours, see if he wakes up. <laughs> I would totally <laughs> take her around with me. All the Q&As, celebrity you know photo she's ops. So, she's so funny because, you know, if, if you do that, and I walk around like an asshole with that papoose thing with her yeah. sticking out, you know what I mean? <laughs> she's facing out, and I've got this thing strapped on and, and shit. But if you take her places, all she does, she just kicks her feet and laughs and Smiles at people and all this stuff, and old ladies just go crazy for this uh, for this child. So I'm thinking I could probably get at least, you know, fourteen, fifteen hundred bucks for it to uh, help with my new project, uh, the girl who played with the dead. Uh, of course, uh, Facebook.com girl who played with the dead movie script is done. Uh, you know, Shannon Lark has signed on to be a part of the movie, which is exciting because I love Shannon very much, and just having her 
uh, name anywhere near mine, of course, does shit for her, but it classes me up in a in a major way and makes me seem like I'm something. But uh, yeah, I love Shannon Lark. So Shannon Lark's going to come play uh, for a couple of days in March. Of course, uh, it's going to be uh, out in June. She, so uh, yeah, go to incestdeathsquad.com. All the movies uh, are there if you give a fuck. And uh, of course, the uh, Facebook page. And then I have starting, and not to, uh, and of course, it's not competing podcast, but uh, I have my own podcast that uh, it premieres on Friday. And ironically enough, it is called the Stooge Cast. And uh, it is a, a monthly podcast dedicated to all things Three Stooges. And I was very lucky to have as my first guest. Uh, Saxon Emil Sitka, and if anybody who knows the Three Stooges knows Emil Sitka, you've seen his name in the credits of so many Stooges movies. He worked with Curly Shemp, Joe Besser, Curly Joe DeRita all the way through, and was actually tapped to be Larry's replacement in the 70s uh, after Larry had had a debilitating stroke. But uh, if anybody's seen the short Brideless Groom where Shemp inherits a half a million bucks and goes to the uh, Justice of the Peace and hold hands, you love birds. That's, uh, that's Emil Sitka. So uh, we talked to his son, and we got some uh, some revelations and some really cool stories about uh, Mo and, and the rest of the guys. So that is on the FearCast Network. Go to Facebook.com, the StoogeCast, uh, Facebook.com slash the StoogeCast, and uh, that premieres uh, on Friday night, and that's what I got going on. Looking forward to that one. That's uh, you're, you're back on the FearCast Network with us. It's nice to see it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and and after, you know, the the boss was born in May and I kind of stepped away from Astro Radio and you took it and, and, and ran with it and took it to completely different and very cool levels. I mean, you, you've taken it to a level of badassery that I was either too lazy to do or not technically savvy enough to probably both. It's probably a 50-50 split on that one, but you've done a, a killer job with it. And, uh, you know, during that time I was just kind of sitting around and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for different interesting podcasts to listen to. And I saw, you know, a lot of this and a lot of that, but I, I couldn't find Jack squat about the three stooges. And I thought that was terrible. So, you know, leave it to me to, uh, to try to, to right the wrong. So here we go. It's good that you found that niche. Cause obviously you're the only person I know that has such a hard on for the, for the three stooges still. <laughs> It's true. I mean, the, the funniest one is when we went to Wasteland last year. <laughs> Son of Ghoul, who uh, who uh, anybody who goes to Wasteland knows. Son of Ghoul, if you think I'm a, a nut about the, the boys, uh, Son of Ghoul owns all 182 shorts on 16-millimeter film. I, mean, I get guy. it now. I get it now. So that's why you were over there schmoozing with his daughter so much, because you just wanted to talk to him about the Three Stooges. Yeah, I didn't want nothing to do with her. I, I, was, <laughs> I wanted to get in on his Stooge collection. <laughs> I'm a married man. Well, I have to tell Blade that, because now it all makes sense why Blade and I were looking at each other like, what the fuck is he doing over there for so goddamn long? <laughs> and the funniest thing was, so Son of Ghoul has all of these uh, these bootlegs, and, and the Stooges did so much shit. I mean, you know, Shemp Howard did things on his own with Vitaphone, and, and you know, it, it was just crazy. And uh, he had a couple of things. He had one movie there, bootleg, called Gold Raiders. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, <laughs> with Mo and it, during the Shemp years, and it was this, uh, this half-ass Western starring the Three Stooges, and I had never seen this damn thing. You know, kind of like The Outlaws is coming. I had never seen it, and I got very excited uh, when I saw that Son of Ghoul had a uh, bootleg copy of it, and I took it in the room, and I was talking about it, and blah, blah, blah. I think I left, and, and what did Blade say exactly? <laughs> oh, I think his words were, 
I don't even know what that fucking is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's he's yeah. so happy over that. I don't even know what that fucking is. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fantastic. So, so I mean, that's the best part about Cinema Wasteland. Not the best part, but it's it for me. It's a cool part about Cinema Wasteland, is that the son of Ghoul does uh, the Stooges Saturday morning Stooges yeah. at Wasteland, and he's got yeah. the uh, sixteen millimeter, and he shows three shorts and. Uh, needless to say, I'm, I'm abandoning everyone for an hour, and, and I'll be going through that. Yeah, like last year, I think I joined you for about 15 minutes, then went back to the table. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was so miserable, sick <laughs> on Saturday uh, last year that I actually, I, I think I got up and went down to the bar and said I need a Jack and Coke. Yeah, uh, really I gotta fast, get straight. So I gotta get straight. I gotta level out, man. <laughs> I got the DP. I've seen gorillas and shit. Right. And, uh, right. So I had I had a Jack and Coke and watched uh, the Saturday Morning Stooges. So I, I encourage everyone to come and drink liquor at noon and watch the Three Stooges with me. Oh, at, uh, Cinema boy. Wasteland. Cinema Wasteland's going to be a deal and a half for us this year. I swear, there's going to be a lot of great people that we've been keeping up with this year. A lot of new faces at Cinema Wasteland that we're looking to uh, corrupt and uh, bring into the fold, and also. Mr. Bilzebub is going to be uh, debuting his new movie, Scienceless Fiction, which so I'm excited. quite looking forward to. So um, excited. That, I, I love the new marketing campaign that he has for this film that he's been plastering all over fucking Facebook, which <laughs> is just a picture of uh, Steve, who all of you, all of you should know uh, from his uh, Oscar-winning turn in The Amazingly Emotional Disgruntled Employee. Yes. Um, Steve dressed up as a, a clown in, <laughs> and photoshopped horribly in various places. It might be right next to a shark in a swimming pool. It might be at the local uh, grocery store. It, I don't I don't know. I, I, I haven't quite understood this marketing campaign that Bill's got going on, but obviously he's working on a whole different level than we are. So oh, yeah. he... He, he knows where his uh, his audience is and what the demographic that's going to be flocking to go buy science li- scienceless fiction is um, between Steve pictures in a in a clown suit and <laughs> chicks asses um, so I'm in I'm in I'm totally balls deep in that one I can't wait to see this film I'm going to be properly inebriated and motherfuckers to... showing it at midnight too midnight oh dude cinema wasteland I mean this is going to be a circus. Somebody's going to have to get a wheelbarrow out and take you to that screening. It's going to be much easier if you just incinerate everyone at some point. <laughs> because the whole place is going to be filled with the living dead. <laughs> the whole place is going in flames, and we're out in the in that uh, lobby area out in the front watching uh, the Oriental chick crushing cans with her crotch yeah. and having smokes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you... You you are anywhere near Strongsville, uh, Ohio. If you're anywhere near there, the I believe it's the fourth through the sixth of exactly. April. Yep. Um, please come on out. Corey and I will have a table out there. We're gonna have a peep show where you can see uh, little clips of our upcoming movie, Hole in the Wall. Um, we we won't provide the barf bags, but uh, you have two hands. You can hold your barf in them after you watch it. And Just maybe swallow we'll- it. Yeah, just swallow it down. We'll give you a chaser of some nasty moonshine or some whatever booze we actually have at our table. So come on out. You'll get to see that. Obviously, I'm sure 42nd Street Pete will be there. Oh, um, oh yeah. 
Andy Riordan from uh, Brutal as Hell uh, dot com. I hear is going to be there, um, which should that's be that's exciting because she's very elusive. It's going to be very interesting. Um, in in the normal crew of miscreants, so uh, come on out, say hi to us at Cinema Wasteland. Obviously, you can uh, catch uh, any upcoming stuff from Astro Radio Z on Twitter, on Tumblr, and uh, the Facebook page. Please go ahead. Also, Astro Radio Z is finally on its own feed on iTunes. If you want to go check out. The high quality version, not the the uber super compressed uh, blog talk radio version. It'll still be there if you're a subscriber to blog talk radio in uh, the Fearcast network. You can still get the show through them. Um, but if you want to hear the show in its full glory, go ahead and check out the Astro Radio Z feed now on iTunes, and you can catch that. Um, also, we run another uh, podcast called Film Jerks, which is a Facebook group. Uh, for film nerds out there that want to join in, be part of the film community and pick movies and then talk about them, go to facebook.com and check out Film Jerks. Also, it's on Stitcher and iTunes. Other than that, look forward to Hole in the Wall and some other hijinks coming up. The Girl Who Played with the Dead, blah, blah, blah. Always fun stuff. I'm glad all you guys came on the show with me tonight. Um, It was pretty impromptu, but hey, maybe the show turned out. We'll find out, I guess, right? Sounded good from here. Oh, oh, oh. Sounded good from my porch. So anyway. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Everything <laughs> sounds good from your porch, Derek. Come uh, on. You've got, of course. You've got That's, the porch. I, I've got the porch, and I've got the booze. So, of there course, it sounds immaculate. Anyways, from Derek Carey, this is Astro Radio Z. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.